0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the View from the Nest podcast with me, Dark Forest Capital, and my good friend, AG. We're both contributors at the Index Co-op and have been for some months now. And so we're going to take you through the weekly newsletter, as we always do, try and keep you caught up with the Co-op. Um, but
1: first of all, I'll ask you, how are you doing this week, AG? Yeah, doing, doing great this week. It's been a bit of a shaky crypto market, I would say, and, uh, you know, lots of ups and downs, and volatility, you keep getting text from, from people asking me like if, if Bitcoin is going to disappear tomorrow. So yeah, that's uh, it's been sort of my experience over the last week. And uh, It looks like now that we're recording it, uh, the market has stabilized a bit, which is always great to see. Yeah, how, how about you, Paul, what's happening?
0: yeah I've been good. Uh, I have to agree with you obviously it's been a little bit up and down this week. I hope that you
1: haven't been giving anybody
0: financial advice because you're very good at uh, marking local tops when you buy into stuff. so just tell your friends <laughs> tell your friends not to ask you uh,
1: what to buy. I think is the best advice there. I think I'm still good at giving long-term advice. It just I need to caveat that you know if you expect to make money in the next week it's probably not going to happen.
0: Yeah, I think that's pretty sound advice, just generally. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, up and down, but uh, I think it relates quite nicely to the, the first point that we talked about in the newsletter this week, which was uh, a review from our good friend Greg uh, within the, the co-op. So he he wrote a couple of posts, actually, on the forum, one to review what we'd managed to do in Q1, um, and, and looked at our North Star metrics and how we performed against those. And then he followed that up with a, a vision for what we might be able to achieve in Q2. So there's some pretty big numbers, um, some pretty impressive growth. Uh, obviously, we've been at the cold face for, for most of this. So it's been great to sort of take a step back and, and look at these figures and, and you know see what we've achieved. How did it make you feel looking at that table and, and looking at the huge numbers of
1: in terms of growth that we've achieved? I think it's it's uh it's quite interesting because I feel like most of us in crypto like are kind of immune to large numbers. like we just we, we think large numbers are normal. so <laughs> I think kind of it's it's been really good to kind of look at those numbers, step back and and assess how far we've got in the last uh several months. But at the same time, right? There are like, we're just in the in the kind of very uh, beginning of of the call-op but also the the market for structured products like the white space is infinite, and uh, I guess it's it's great to take a pause and take stock in in progress, but we we just need to keep moving forward and. Uh, keep building on this, and then we can sort of relax a little bit when the bear market comes.
0: (laughs) Which will obviously be marked by a massive purchase from yourself of like all of the top crypto coins. Okay, yeah, I mean, I I think my favorite out of all of the metrics that we look at is definitely unincentivized TVL. And the figures on that are pretty astonishing. So we went from uh, nearly 12 million in in January, on the 1st of January, all the way up to $112 million on the 31st of March. So that is people holding our products that are not receiving any index rewards for doing so. And if you compare that to where our competitors are, like they just don't come anywhere near. They're th- absolutely throwing rewards at people to hold similar products. Uh, and, and this is mainly driven, of course, by DPI, which is our flagship product. But yeah, it demonstrates the, the product market fit that, that that particular token has um i think eth2x fly is on its way to, to joining that obviously we haven't even got around to turning incentives on on that pool it's just grown like rapidly since we launched so that's our i think that's our real key like winner in that table and um yeah going back to what you just said about like we need to take stock and then you know get our heads down and carry on growing we kind of covered that a little bit last week like we do have a number of people turning up to help out we have a number of products in the pipeline so we're just not slowing down at this point like it's it's the very start of this sort of s curve where we can um we can really start to see an uptick so yeah hopefully the the market sorts itself out and we can carry on up only and uh you know hit some of these targets that we've set for ourselves over the next three months
1: yeah, absolutely. I think the ETH fly product is like obviously it's it's not thirty first of March anymore. But today, I think it's uh, pretty close to thirty five million. As you said, we've had the supply uh, supply cap on it uh, since since launch. Um, so you know uh, that's nowhere sort of near I- I- its potential. The BTC fly product is coming out as well. Um, mvi you know we are at a uh, five million uh, or so there's been pretty steady uh, supply growth there and we know that we can grow the product further but we just need to be cautious of the liquidity of uh, some online tokens because if the product gets uh, too big if they if the mvi gets too big the rebalances on some of the tokens will trigger a significant slippage and so that's something that we need to keep in mind but yeah I think we're just scratching the surface uh to be honest and and I think like I said there's infinite white space and uh quite excited about a few products in the pipeline um I think it's going to be a good uh good second quarter and and good kind of 2021 for us
0: yeah I have to agree um so one of our or one of Greg's targets that he wrote down was uh, to have 500 million dollars of AUM at the end of Q2, which halfway through the year will get us halfway towards Big Sky's target of 1 billion AUM by the end of the year. So I think that's that's quite nice. That'll make Big Sky happy. And uh, he's obviously a big proponent of getting behind this and, and shouting about how good of a job we're doing. Um, so yeah, I'm on board with it. I think we've we're lining ourselves up to to deliver on this stuff. We just need to to get on with it which takes us quite nicely to the next uh, part of the newsletter, which was talking about a direct call for contributors to a specific uh, working group that we have, the, the product working group uh, led by, of course, Overanalyzer. So uh, after talking last week about how we, we generally need more people uh, in the co-op, there is a specific need within the product area. And uh, yeah, Punia took to the forum and, and put a post up to explain exactly what was needed. And I saw a number of people dive straight in uh, and, and offered their services. So this is just to, to reiterate that call, really, and say if, if you're somebody listening to this and you've been lurking and you like what IndexCart does but you don't know how to get involved, if working in the product area is something that interests you, then go and take a look at that forum post, get in touch with Punya, yeah, drop him a DM, and um, there's definitely potential for you to, to start helping out there
1: yeah yeah so did you know um did you know how i ended up contributing to to the co-op have i ever told you the story
0: i don't think so no was it because you saw how fantastic my posts were and you thought you just have to like have a comment on it
1: yeah i just i i saw how much you were getting paid and i saw how little work you did and i was like (laughs) that sounds like sounds like a good opportunity don't tell anybody (laughs) um no, so basically, I was, uh, I was browsing the forum, and I saw a post by over calling for like TreadFi geeks or something like that. Um, I think that was in like mid-November or early November when he did that. And uh, I sort of commented saying like, yeah, like sort of my background, happy to help out. And I think he's, by then, he kind of moved on. From that project or that subject that he was working on, and uh, one of the other people who commented on on that post was Dev, so Dev, Dev on DeFi, another uh, Index contributor, and uh, yeah, so me and him started chatting on Discord and just uh, started like brainstorming, thinking about like content ideas that we could do in in the Index space, and so we wrote like a few articles and. And so on and um, that's sort of how I ended up posting uh, a few of those articles in in the index forum and then just slowly got more involved from there so uh, the call the call for contributors the open for, call for contributors uh, sort of resonates with me that was a nice little story. yeah I didn't know that
0: before um, so thanks for sharing that and for anybody who, yeah, like I said, anybody who's sort of lurking, unsure how to get involved, that's just one of the many ways. Um, I guess crypto is a bit of a double-edged sword when it comes to contributing because it, it's very free and open and everybody can come in and get stuck into something um, and potentially produce some great work and it kind of snowballs from there. But for a lot of people, that's not what they're used to at all. So taking that first step feels like quite a big leap and, it, and it's quite hard to Get into that mindset um so i think it's really great that we've got uh um pepperoni joe who's jumped into the the forum recently and he's kind of taken us taken a hold of um, onboarding and and making sure that new users like are greeted and like welcomed into the co-op and they're oriented like oriented properly and they know who does what and where to go and, and how to contribute so um yeah it's it's great to see this process evolving over time like we've obviously tried our best to make sure that the steps are, are clear and people know where to go but it is very hard when you're growing as quick as quickly as we are so um, yeah it was good to hear your your story ag thanks for thanks for sharing that
1: yeah I, I didn't realize that um i haven't really shared it um widely but you know going back to to the product specific stuff um it's interesting cuz i was just thinking about it um, like literally the day before, Punya uh, made this post, and, and I was specifically thinking about, you know, I should make a post on the product roadmap because I don't think, <laughs> I don't think we're being proactive about it. Um, and uh, what I thought was that yeah, we need to um, sort of add more people to the product working group um and start taking a more proactive approach when it comes to the product roadmap, when it comes to designing indices um, when it comes to approaching potentially partners to launch this indices with and part of it is also like for me is influenced by we should be thinking like six months out like what are the market conditions gonna be right and and what? products would work in those market conditions, and, and trying to diversify our revenue stream not just by product per se, but by market conditions, right? So we should have products that generate revenue in bull markets, we should have products that generate revenue in bear markets, and we should have uh, products that generate revenue in choppy and, and volatile markets. and. Um, yeah, i don't I don't think we are sort of we've gotten to the point where we are strategic and proactive about it, and I think that would be one of sort of the main priorities for me um, that we should look at over the next uh, three months, like <clears throat> one one of the things that we should definitely be focusing on.
0: So would you see that being something where we try to redirect resources within the community or would you be looking externally? I think, like my preference is always to see if we can drum up, you know, get people out of their shell from within the community first if we can.
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. and and I just I don't think uh, there's been focus on this at all. Um, you know, and and you and I sort of know about it, and we've heard it from other people as well in terms of launching a product, right? like that process, um, it's fairly reactive, right? like it it's fairly. Um, I think for us like when we proposed uh, the Metaverse and, and sort of um, what what it took was like insane interest in the Metaverse and Nfts from, from the market and from mainstream for us to actually like spring into action and, and launch this product. And that's sort of what I'm feeling, um, that, that sort of happens, right? Where we have a product proposal and it just sits there until there is like an external event that uh, catalyzes like everyone into action and we realize that, holy shit, like we need to launch this product. Um, so yeah, I think it's definitely uh, resources from the community and it just needs to be a bit more of a focus uh, and we think to need we need to think a little bit more strategically about it.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's great input. Uh, great to hear your thoughts on that. I think. Okay. So, if getting involved, getting decently paid, like making the jump to crypto, if all of that isn't enough for you, then hopefully the next uh, topic to cover will will help push you over the edge. And that is a follow up on the new merch designs that we have. So. Uh, lavi and kiba still working with metafactory um and some of the designers from within within our community they've put out a pdf this week with all of the potential designs on it and we've got some absolutely sick swag to choose from uh so go and check it out um go and vote on it choose your favorite design whether it's t-shirt hoodie whatever um so yeah it's it's probably going to go for as we talked about briefly last week for for contributors um and possibly out to the like wider, wider crypto public as well. But um, yeah, just another benefit of being a contributor to the Index carp is is looking cool in your brand new Index hoodie, which if the material feels as good as it looks in the picture, it's going to be the comfiest thing possibly that I've ever, that I've ever bought. Um, and AG, I'd I don't know if you've shared your fashion sense with with some of the uh, the people that listen to this podcast before because obviously it's all just audio but um you, you've chosen some pretty snazzy shirts and and hats recently I've seen you wearing
1: <laughs> you just you had to huh? you
0: had to bring it up um, yeah i mean what's the what's the point of a, a public like podcast if I can't <laughs> rip you for some of your fashion choices
1: uh, i um I obviously don't don't support your opinion on on this matter? I think my recent fashion purchases were spot on, but uh, yeah, I think a lot of the co-op swag that that's uh, that's there for the voting is awesome. I think for me, like the um, the design that you posted that you used in the in the newsletter is my favorite. Um, I'd definitely love to get my hands on that and. Uh, I think also this is going to be like limited edition almost. So I'm thinking maybe you and I kick off a secondary market. And, uh, yeah, and, and, uh, you know, like charge transaction fees and, you know, be like a proper TradFi intermediary. So it's like
0: NFTX, but for illiquid limited hoodie markets. Pretty much,
1: yeah. Yeah, it's like... um, Cool. Yeah, I. No, it's like uh, eBay, but for crypto.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the the hoodie was definitely my favorite, which is why I uh, consciously showed my bias by um, choosing that image for the newsletter. But it looks amazing. I really like it. So. um... So you tried to you tried to skew the voting absolutely i'm trying to influence people the, <laughs> the millions of readers of the newsletter it's gonna <laughs> sway the vote <laughs> so yeah we'll, we'll see but um yeah i'm looking forward to it either way so from something uh, obviously a bit more playful to something a bit more serious uh, the next post was about um some data from from jd's fantastic dashboard which we've all been shilling on twitter recently and maybe AG, you wanted to take us through the numbers on this one
1: yeah so jd has done an amazing job with this and uh i think most of us at at the co-op just look at this dashboard on a, on a daily basis and look at like growth in supply units uh revenue right like seven day trailing revenue all of all of these metrics also metrics on Individual products. Um, he recently came up with a really cool dashboard that shows um, how many of uh, our customers hold more than one product, which which was fascinating to me. And it was like ninety-five percent, I think, hold just one product, and then I think like four percent hold two, and then maybe one percent hold hold all three. And I'm like, I guess like you and I are like part of that 1% that holds all three. I don't know if you actually hold fly, um, but I'm like, <laughs> I, was, I was 100% sh- sure that everyone in that 1% category um, are index IndexCop contributors. But anyway, so the dashboard, uh, the chart that um, you use there and definitely one that I look at quite often is the daily revenue chart, and obviously, like for a while uh, since we launched, um, and until sort of mid March, all of our revenue was coming from uh, DPI, and we've sort of settled at around this uh, maybe two two and a half thousand dollars per day mark for uh, DPI, and then when we launched the ETH two uh, X Fly product which is a leverage um, ETH product uh, that obviously started to add to our revenue quite a bit um, for, for two reasons. One, um, the fee on that is uh, 1.95% compared to uh, 0.95 for, for DPI and also there is a point is 0.1% uh, uh, re- issue and, and redemption. Uh, Fees and uh, so the product is sort of meant to be uh, a trading vehicle in in a way And so we've seen we've seen the the revenue from the fly product grow quite a bit over uh, over the last months months and a half and uh, in uh, There were two days. I think one or two days uh, last week where the revenue from that product actually flipped the revenue uh, from DPI which is why you so uh, which is why you call the the, the section the flipping, and uh, as you said, it's before any incentives uh, on the pool. It's um, while we still have a supply cap on the number of units that can be issued, um, and it's obviously before the uh, BTC Fly product launches. So, I'm I'm quite fascinated by it. I think if we turn on some incentives for for the ETHFLY product, and uh, I don't want to spoil sort of the the party, but we we're thinking about some interesting combination of incentives uh, between uh, index uh, Sushi and Badger for the uh, BTC2X launch, uh, and yeah, like I I can I can totally see us uh, hitting that you know seven eight nine k revenue per day uh, by the end of Q2. Which which would be um, should be enormous, and and I think if you start applying kind of traditional financial metrics, uh, price to sales, and so on, to that, you'll realize how undervalued the the index token is.
0: Yeah, I think that would be massive. Um, obviously, the plan with this is to r- roll out a suite of these products uh, under the Fly brand. So, if we can mirror that success across it. You know BTC dpi whatever it may be then we're on to a, a real winner here I think um, just for for info I don't hold ETHFLY. Uh, I've chickened out of the transaction a couple of times like I've got close to to LPing and then I just I can't do it um, I don't know
1: why I thought I thought i convinced you this weekend
0: yeah I was close but again I just chickened out like it, I don't know, <laughs> it's just something about it being leveraged that I just think I'll just hold my ETH and, and be happy with it. <laughs> I'm already, obviously, I'm already gloriously overexposed elsewhere in my portfolio, so <laughs> this just adds that, that little bit too much risk where I'm like, nah, I'll be all right. Um, plus, you, you bought it, so uh, obviously, I want to stay well clear of it.
1: <laughs> but there's just ETH and uh, as far as i know after i bought ohm you didn't sell out of that one so yeah as far as you know that you know you you need to be consistent
0: (laughs) i can't tell you that i'm selling you my bags as you enter to stuff okay so it looks like you sort of covered the the last point that we were going to talk about which is how great jd is as a like analytics whiz um and the fact that he's built this dashboard that we're using consistently and uh you know we use it to measure ourselves against we use it on a daily basis to send each other insights and, and information it's really opening up our eyes to you know what our products are doing how, how we can improve all of that great stuff and um, i did kind of mention that it, it can be a bit of a double-edged sword obviously we're being very transparent here so anybody can dip in take a look at what we're doing see if you know are we undervalued or overvalued you, you just mentioned the token price like that that Data is now available in real time. And if we're struggling somewhere, anybody can see it. So, yeah, it's just being cognizant of that the fact that we are displaying our performance to the world. And I think it's the right way to do it. You know, the crypto, the ethos in crypto is totally different to TradFi. Um, and we'll see how long that lasts. But I think it's important to be transparent, it helps you improve. And if we carry on the way that we're going and, and we we stick with that um, belief and that ethos, then I think it will take us really far.
1: Yeah, it's also, you know, the data is there. Like, even if we didn't build a dashboard, right? Like, the data is still there and and someone can can pull it up and, and look at it. And uh, it's funny because it's almost like if I'm thinking about being a, a VC, right, or not even VC, but like a, a more or less serious uh, crypto investor, right? I would literally want to hire someone who can build me these these dashboards, right? And, and so if I'm looking at projects, um, a dashboard like this or this type of data just gives you like so much insight right like imagine for example we didn't build this dashboard and you were um, an investor who was looking at index and who uh, kind of had your own Dune analyst who could actually write this dashboard and like make this dashboard and keep it keep it private so the amount of insight that would give you that is not public right would uh, w- would be would be quite a lot I think it would give you quite a bit of an advantage. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, that's the, I think that's the fascinating part about crypto is that all of the information, like most of the information, is is publicly available. You just need to know where to look and and how to how to bring it to life. Um, but it's there, sort of, for everyone to see.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's another interesting point about it, and it's like you say. It- the, the data is all on chain it is transparent it's just the, a case of understanding how to access it i mean i guess most people and it would be interesting to see what the numbers are on this but like i guess a good 50 percent of um crypto <clears throat> participants probably don't look much beyond the swap button on uniswap um before they ape into something some people might check check the chart maybe to see if it's been a green candle or a red candle. But uh, beyond that, there's often not a lot of analysis. And this goes back to like last year when I started off my journey, I I decided that I was going to be a trader. and, And I started off trying to trade stocks like the traditional stock market. And it's bloody hard. And I found very quickly that in crypto, you don't have to do a great deal of legwork to get a massive leg up on everybody else to get an advantage and to get that alpha and that kind of is what we're saying here which is that anybody can go and interrogate this data but very few people do so being as transparent as we are as, as index co-op the dow like it can open a lot of people's eyes and they say oh well oh you know this is how much you've earned or like why why is the token value this or going up or down or whatever they can start to question because they have the data there being presented to them when otherwise they probably wouldn't have wouldn't have cared or, or bothered to look. So, yeah, it's just an interesting phenomenon, I think, and probably will become more common, like we're seeing other protocols do it. Um, obviously, people have talked about how the future will not be reported quarterly. So these kind of dashboards are, are going to become more and more commonplace because, exactly as you pointed out, if if the protocols themselves don't do it, there'll be other people out there who are being paid to do it by others because it's just a, such important data.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I have a question for you. What's um, what, what have you seen in crypto that sort of caught your attention over the last week? Like for me, there's been two areas that I've seen kind of quite a bit of chatter on, one being around treasury around a treasury management allocation of treasury sources, which I remember you talking about like two months ago uh, and everyone, including me, calling you boring. But, you know, I think you were just early. And the second thing was people talking about DAO uh, governance and like different governance models and what the future of DAO governance is going to be. And, and just, yeah, I guess trying to... Talk about like some issues with with DAO governance or um, like advantages, disadvantages, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, uh, what can be improved, and and so on. So it, it, it appears that there's a disproportionate amount of attention on on those two topics in in crypto right now. But I I'd be keen to to hear um, what's sort of on your radar and and what you're seeing. Yeah, I noticed
0: that you were engaging with some posts about those topics this week. Um, we can probably come on to the, the Dow governance stuff in a sec. The main one for me was this market action, I think, is a relief. Um, I, I just think, you know, you and I have had so many conversations about this recently. Is this going to be another 80% drawdown at some point And do we have to pick a cycle top? Or are we just going to keep sort of dipping 30% here and there, Maybe up to forty percent somewhere, and the drawdowns just get longer. Um, and actually, this thing just keeps going and going and going. And so I, I think all of the like leftover PTSD from what happened in seventeen eighteen. If it, I don't know why, but this, this last sell off feels like it's that sort of just leaving the market because it was, um, yeah, it was it was quick, but it lasted. You know, a few days happened over the weekend, technically, I guess. Uh, but it just felt like there was so much build up of, is this the top? And we're, we're seeing like lower lows on BTC, uh, sorry, lower highs on BTC as well. Um, so everybody was starting to question, you know, is this where it rolls over? And I think there was just a, a great deal of panic. Um, and what's actually happened is, from what I can tell, ETH got bought up hard because I had targets up for BTC and ETH. Neither of them reached anywhere near where I thought it was going to get to. So again, it shows there's a, you know, they're both catching a bid, but ETH was much stronger and we're seeing ETH BTC hold. So we're in the, I think that people talked about alt season before, but it was kind of like a, it was too quick. I think it feels like we're actually moving towards ETH and alts having, um, yeah, having a bit of a time to shine now. So yeah, for me, like that's, that was the highlight of the the last week or so. Was it just feels like we flushed out some of that fear, and now we're we're free to gather ourselves, revalue everything, like reevaluate everything, see if if like we're still getting net inflows, uh, and go from there. So yeah, that was the the main one for me. And then on the the Dow stuff, I did comment to you when you you shared the uh, yearn proposal that at this point, like I'm just struggling to keep up every DAO, every project, every token is getting so nuanced that with DeFi and the metaverse, and we're very soon to have um, like identity on the blockchain, and we're getting migration to layer twos, like there's just so much going on. It's it is ridiculously hard to keep up with it. And so uh, the focus, I think, will actually have to turn inwards again. And the fact that there's so much going on within an index co-op itself, then that will be enough for me like i'm just going to have to kind of keep up with with what's going on in there but i know that you you specifically dug into what um Jan were doing with that proposal and how the dao within the dao model um sort of shapes up so i'd be interested to hear what your conclusions were on that and i have seen from uh fire uh one, one of our community contributors he Shared something about are they looking at a similar model? So perhaps that's the way things are going to go, where we start to build out smaller DAOs within a larger DAO to sort of manage different functions.
1: I think the like the benefit of that is basically the ability of the smaller DAO within a DAO to execute uh, autonomously, which I think is where a lot of uh, DAOs struggle right? Um, and, and so you can you can imagine sort of a DAO within a DAO as, as just a team, right? Like it's a team with a certain area of responsibility. And the token holders, instead of pessimistically sort of voting on every decision that that team makes, right? They basically optimistically vote to give that team decision power, right? Over all decisions in their respective area whether it's strategy or liquidity or organization like people or budget or, or operations or whatnot right and then that team having that authority they can basically execute on whatever they deem suitable and in the, your model that execution actually has to go to the multisig. i think there's five members on it and Multisig has the veto power, but basically, you get back to this concept that I think we were talking to Manu supply, supply about, which was optimistic governance, right? And and I think I think this is where we we sort of need to go. We need greater autonomy, and and we need um, optimistic governance with the ability of token holders to roll back an action that they. Don't agree with or that was malicious after the fact. Um, so yeah, uh, I, that's that's sort of my my take on it.
0: Okay, yeah, I, I think I tend to agree with that sort of model. Um, something similar but different that I spotted a while a while back was the uh, colony. So they like act as a, a front end, or well, and actually technically the back end, I guess for. Um, you to build your DAO governance model on, and they have a, a model where you can default to yes. So rather than like you say having the token holders vote on every every little thing, and everybody has to come around the campfire and decide that we're gonna we're gonna actually do something, the default is that stuff moves, and that means budget, that means resources, that means you know direction, overall, whatever it may be. And then the way that the system works is that if somebody spots something malicious, they flag it, and there is a process for um, drawing in votes to prevent something from happening. So that means you you default to trust, you default to saying yes to stuff, and it allows things to move more freely and, and speeds up the whole process of governance and, and growth. So I'm, I'm on board with that. I think the, the yearn model kind of takes that and segments it into the... Each individual, like working, or we have working groups, they have the DAOs, but it's just a team at the end of the day. Um, So it's kind of like a halfway house between the two setups where within a certain small area of concentrated power, you can do what you like. And then if you try and affect something uh, more widely, then there's obviously that set of stakeholders who say yay or nay. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's all experimentation still. Nobody's figured it out. Um, we're not necessarily going to figure it out. At the end of the day, governance and and certainly democracy in the Western world exists in the form that it does because it's come out of, you know, thousands of years of trial and error. And we're going through a, a much faster iteration of that. We're not necessarily going to come up with anything that works better. But what we're doing here is not necessarily the same as what we see for you know, electing government officials. It's trying to manage a group of people across a globally decentralized organization with a common set of goals, as incentivized by a token model, um, and then layering like that governance on top of that. It yeah, it's just going to be a completely different way of like solving the problem potentially, um, and and I have no idea what what the solution is going to be, but. I'm interested to see all these different models play out and obviously as Index Co-op, we want to be cherry-picking the bits that we like and also running with our own experiments um, and seeing what happens. I did notice uh, today on Twitter there was, uh, I've got to remind myself what it was called, Automata, which is a new project that I've just spotted and they are talking about having um, single-use voting tokens. So you might deposit... Uh, uni tokens on there as a as a uni token holder and then you will earn yield on that deposit because people will then be able to mint v uni tokens like voting uni tokens for a single use to vote on a single like specific proposal um so i've only just seen this i'm not really sure how it's going to work in practice but it seems like an interesting idea and certainly when as the index co-op we're thinking about how do we Implement something like governance mining, so we incentivize people to take part and, and vote the right way. There is potential for something like Automata to um, take some of that pressure off, uh, or off of us as a DAO, in terms of the need to incentivize people, because perhaps we can allow people to stake their index tokens for yield, and those who want to vote on stuff can borrow the voting token version and go and do that. So, yeah, that was something else interesting that I've spotted recently.
1: Yeah, I think another interesting aspect um, or another interesting idea for me is reputation points within a doubt, right? Basically creating a system where um, any participant can get Like tokens delegated to them for a particular proposal or for particular action. And over time, as they contribute, as they do tasks, um, they sort of gain uh, reputation points and then you start building this sort of um, citadel, right? With, uh, by reputation, Um, but obviously like you will gain reputation based on other people uh staking their tokens um for your proposals right or for your activities and and so this type of reputation based model is actually quite interesting to me um i i think you know like ideally i'd love to experiment with with uh something like that but um i'm i'm not quite sure that the tools are there and mm-hmm. <laughs> i think it strays a little bit away from our co- core model of uh, launching structured products so um, I, I'm not sure I'll get to play around with that in the in the near future but this sort of reputation based model is, uh, is really quite fascinating to me
0: yeah maybe not but there's a couple of things that you can look at if that sort of model interests you you've got Coordinate from Yearn which they use to decide on uh, rewards and that's it seems like a bit of a popularity contest to be honest but uh, perhaps it works in practice and, and you can decide you know you make you get 100 tokens and you uh, divide them up between other people that you've worked with that month um, and depending on however many tokens you end up with at the end of the sort of the staking or i'm not not sure what you call it staking or voting process it, is how the rewards are divvied up between all of the contributors um so that's that's certainly something that you can look at there. And then what was the other one that I was thinking of?
1: Uh, Probably Colony.
0: No, we talked about Colony already. Um,
1: oh, of course, uh, Rabbit Hole.
0: So we're working with Rabbit Hole at the moment, and you talk about reputation points. Well, the whole idea of um, where Brian's taking Rabbit Hole is is the idea of having... Like um, not reputation, but uh, like evidence of of well proof of work effectively. So if you if you're a avid governor within crypto, and you complete the quests that take place on the Rabbit Hole app, then you can earn experience points and even get rewards in some cases for the the campaigns that they run. So at the Index Co-op, we have started running a campaign where if you Um, carry out a meta governance vote then you're rewarded an index token for doing so and you do that via um, boardrooms boardrooms front end where they're trying to make it easier for or more exciting to take um, take part in in governance so the idea of rabbit hole then is that sometime in the future as they start to build up this idea of which wallets uh, use like um, options trading protocols and which wallets do a lot of lending and borrowing and which wallets do a lot of governing you can start to almost do like targeted advertising targeted airdrops and um, targeted like requests for contributors you could do all sorts of stuff with this data because you can figure out what people what certain wallets are good at and and so that you can incentivize those people that you might want to become part of your DAO or part of some com- campaign you're running in the future so your wallet becomes your identity, becomes your reputation, and you can show that reputation by having completed certain tasks that, that sort of demonstrate your knowledge. So that yeah, there's those two things that are kind of going on, totally separate really, but um, fundamentally similar sort of things going on at, at, at the fundamental level.
1: Yeah, it's, it's like the whole other area, right, where you have sort of DeFi and NFTs and other things, and this is like a separate area of of DAO governance um, <laughs> that uh, you know, if you had the time, you could probably spend uh, spend your entire day um, day after day in in that. And uh, unfortunately, we are you know focusing on other things. Uh, but I think all of us are certainly very interested in in seeing how how this evolves.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You've got to pick your battles at this point and figure out uh, where to devote your time, I think. Uh, speaking of which, I think we've taken up probably 45 minutes of, of people's time on this one. Uh, it's been good to chat, good to talk around topics that aren't just uh, related to the Index Co-op, as we sometimes do. Um, so, yeah, thanks. That was a thought-provoking series of questions there, AG. appreciate that.
1: Yeah, it was, it was an enjoyable. Was there anything else you wanted to cover before we jump off? No, no, nothing, nothing else. Um, I think we've uh, taken up enough of uh, people's time. And, uh, you know, we're working on some interesting things at uh, at the COP as it relates to the Metaverse Index. And I I, I just say that uh, people should be on the lookout for some interesting uh, things coming out.
0: Absolutely. A uh, little alpha leak there for anybody who's stuck around to the end. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And uh, we will catch you on the next episode.
1: Great. Thanks, everyone.